The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Third hour, Pure Opelka. You want to join the conversation? 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. A lot to cover. We still have a whole lot to cover. There are some very important issues left uh, and some breaking news out out of just about everywhere you look. There's something going on. Um, I don't you know, I don't pretend to know a lot about the law. I just kind of know what makes sense. And every now and then the law surprises me. But I, I think I think that's why I have such a great appreciation for our regular guest on Mondays at this hour. Dr. Wendy Patrick, wendypatrickphd.com is where you need to go to know more. Author, uh, attorney, she's somebody who knows what's going on in the courtrooms and also pays attention to people while they're testifying and sees things that you and I don't see, you know, body language stuff. So I asked Dr. Wendy if we could talk about some courtroom stuff today because we have the defense resting in the Cosby case which I thought was really fascinating. They had one witness. But uh, Dr. Wendy's with us again, joined me Friday on the Glenn Beck program, so I appreciate you doing double duty. Welcome back, my friend. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, and you always forget to to mention Michael Pelka fan. That's a big part of my introduction as well, because your (laughs) instincts are often right on the money, whether or not you're a lawyer. (laughs) Well, you're kind. But, you know, I'm a graduate of um, the Scheindland Law school, Judge Judy Scheinman. <laughs> I I'm a little slow. My my uh, my Judge Judy law degree has taken like 15 years because you know I only get a, a half hour or an hour of class every day. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and you know most of it is contract law when I get into it because that's really what most of I, I think judge judy covers when she covers legal disputes there's very little criminal stuff because you know it's uh her stuff is small claims civil court which pretty much gets down to contract law most of the times unless it's a a dog bite or uh somebody stole a phone from somebody which i didn't realize just how much of that was going on you know who knew <laughs> but 
Yeah, the, the Cosby trial is a little more involved, but, you know, what it really has come down to over the last week uh, is, you know, patterns make the predator. And it would have been, obviously, a much stronger case had more of those 60 uh, women that accused Mr. Crosby had been permitted to testify. But they can do it with just one because it really was about the same conduct uh, with both of the victims that have been permitted to testify. Of course, the main victim, Andrea Constant, and then the, the one prior. But, you know, the jury is going to have to decide whether or not Constant's credibility it has been destroyed by the defense cross-examination or whether it remains means intact, whether or not she remembers every single detail of the encounter. Now, many people assume the trial was going to take a lot longer than it did, but Mike, that's typical in a lot of criminal cases. You know, sometimes there's a, you know, months, years worth of buildup and a very short prosecution case, but that doesn't mean it's any less powerful or that there's any less chance of getting a conviction. It's also very telling that the defense only put on one witness. This case actually is more typical of many criminal trials than the public realizes, because sometimes these sensational cases take on a life of their own where you really don't need that much to meet the elements of the crimes charged. This may be one of those cases. Hmm. Hmm. I, you know, <laughs> it's... It's there has to be all kinds of war gaming before a defense sets out their plan and how they're going to uh, fight the the charges. And then I guess once the trial starts, that plan also has to flex. So who knows what the Cosby defense team initially set up and that maybe depending on how they felt their cross-examination of some of the uh, original prosecution witnesses was going, maybe they've. Now, Wendy, you might be able to answer this question. It just popped into my head. In a case that's as high profile as this, as this Cosby case, would the prosecution have its own jury somewhere in a room watching the trial so they could get a sense of how the testimony and the cross-examination was going? Absolutely. They use focus groups, which is the kind of thing you're talking about, just like the defense does. Um, it's an excellent point, And it also is an excellent point what you made about the defense, because think about this. The more witnesses the defense puts on, the broader potential rebuttal a prosecution is going to be able to have. So there is a strategy in deciding how much or how little to present in terms of opening the door to more damning evidence being admissible by the prosecution. You know, we've seen some cases where the defense doesn't put on a single witness, and if the prosecutor didn't prove what he or she wanted to prove, they now have to either ask for leave to reopen or they're just barred from doing it because that door hasn't been opened. That, by the way, is also the reason Bill Cosby won't take the stand, as he himself admitted. So these are definitely some of the dynamics going on behind the scenes on both sides and seeing, you know, have they made their point through cross-examination or do they need to keep calling witnesses? Great point. It's just really interesting to me. And, you know, the, the theory of calling one witness and that was that detective who also testified for the prosecution. It's as, almost as if you're saying to the jury, you know, the prosecution's case is so weak, the only witness we're going to use was one of their witnesses. That seems to be a, a little bit of a head game as well. Not that a lawyer would ever do that in a trial. I'm sure that never happens. You know, not only that's all head games, but also is the optics. Now, it's not evidence, but did you notice that today was the first day that Cosby arrived in court arm in arm with his wife, Camille? 
She wasn't there last week. He brought a different supporter on different days. But Camille comes today. Now, maybe that's to have an impact on the jury because it's closer in time to closing arguments. Who knows? But you're right in that it's all strategy. It's all a chess game, which is what makes it fun. Uh, And the most interesting thing is, you know, a lot of the optics, they're not evidence. In other words, whether or not Bill Cosby comes to court with his wife is not a piece of evidence that the jury should be considering, but they're human beings and you know they're going to talk about it. Yeah, of course. And and the jury can't help because they are humans, as you said, that That's right. they're going to notice, oh my gosh. And, and you have to wonder if the focus group jury or the focus group might have been saying, you know, Bill Cosby's been coming to court with celebrities and famous people. Where's his family? Where's and, his family? Where's his wife? Is she no longer supporting him? What does she know that we don't know? Absolutely, Mike. It's it's all in it's all in the cards. I also think it's interesting that she didn't come every day. You know, lots of times that is another strategy is who comes to court. And again, even though it's not evidence, jury's not supposed to consider it. Obviously, they see it. So it, it, we, you and I, don't know all of the facts and circumstances, but it sure is interesting the way the, the optics seem to really be changing the way this trial has progressed um, and that Camilla just came today. Yeah, I saw her walking in, and we were uh, in the pre-show. We were watching the video, and you saw, you saw Mrs. Cosby walking, as you said, arm in arm, but she had her head up and was smiling for the cameras, yes. Yes. which I thought, my gosh, if your husband is on trial for this sexual assault and he's been alleged to be involved in dozens, nearly 60 others, do you think, would you be coming into court with your head held high and smiling for the cameras and looking left and looking right? That that one just got me. That one made me do you, a double take. You know, so, she has come across to both sides as to our hearts and prayers go out to that woman. Can you, I mean, it's unfathomable what she's had to put up with. And the fact that she's able, as you mentioned, to come to court with her head held high, she must have some really strong inner dignity and faith to be able to do that. Uh, you wonder whether point. she did it for the cameras, but it sure did look uh, authentic. I watched the same footage as you did. I Amazing. wonder, though, you remember when we had the Hillary Clinton uh, question, why is she standing by her man when Bill was obviously tied up with the Monica Lewinsky thing? Just a, a really fascinating contrast between the two. And yet they both stood by, but she was head held high at his side at court today. That That's interesting to me. Now, I know I don't have you for too long, but I got to get into the Jeff Sessions testimony yeah. tomorrow. I talked to Louis Gohmert on Friday, and, you know, Louis is such a hardworking guy, and he just wants to be efficient and get stuff done. And it's, Louis says it's, it's driving him nuts that we have three different investigations plus a special counselor uh, going through everything on the, the allegations of collusion, et cetera. And, uh, and of course, Diane Feinstein wants a fourth investigation. She wants to look into Loretta Lynch and whether or not she interfered with the Hillary Clinton investigation with her comments. But with Jeff Sessions tomorrow, he's asked for an open, open session in this, this congressional testimony. Uh, is there any chance we're going to learn anything we don't already know? 
Well, I think we've already heard denials of the third meeting with the, the Russian ambassador. But, you know, remember, Jim Comey surprised us with some of the things that he said in his testimony. Uh, Jeff Sessions might as well. What's interesting, though, Mike, is the fact that he chose to ask for this open hearing. And, and why wouldn't he? I mean, every time there's a closed hearing, we are so so plagued by leaks. Nobody even knows what to believe. Also, perhaps it's something that strategically might sit better with the president, who otherwise would be relying on leaks like the rest of us. So, you know, the fact that he wants to do the te- wants to do it publicly, I think, is to his benefit. We will probably see that. Now, it'll be interesting, Mike, and I know you and I are both going to be watching. Given that he's asked to testify publicly, it probably won't look too good if he declines to answer questions. So that is a tightrope you're going to have to be walking because you know they're going to be asking him at least some things he's probably going to be uncomfortable answering. So given that he asked for a public testimony, he's going to be hard-pressed to come up with reasons that his answers cannot be public. So it's what? sure going to be interesting. I'll bet we will learn something new. I hope so. I hope so. Because, you know, Tuesdays are tough days for me, biorhythmically. And if I don't learn something, I feel like I've wasted a whole day. So You've got to start thinking that you learn something new every day and with every guest. <laughs> that's true. And some days, whether I need it or not, that's, you know, right. there, there are days that I, I'd rather sleep through the day and not learn anything. Too much but who information knows? Information is not always a good thing. You're right. <laughs> now, tomorrow, uh, all of this. Uh, now, here's the interesting thing CNN goes, coverage. Coverage begins at 2 p.m. Eastern. That means he's not going to testify until 3 o'clock. Let's all be honest, everybody. Let's not worry about. Uh, missing the last hour of this show uh, tomorrow because it's it's not going to start till three o'clock. So we'll, at least we'll be able to watch it. Uh, I had two vital questions of the day today that I posted on the Twitter, Wendy, and I'm going to quiz you on both of them. Do you think there are tapes or not from Trump's White House? I don't think there are tapes. Uh, that's partially because of some of the things Trump has done before in other lawsuits that's been publicized a lot over the weekend. Um, so, I, I, you know, again, patterns make the person. That's one of the things it says in my book. It's possible that is the same thing here. Very, you know, first of all, very smooth. I forgot. I didn't get I didn't plug red flags. That's Wendy's book. If you want to see oh. about <laughs> spotting those those bad folks in your life and how to get rid of them. red flags. It's about those frenemies. And the second vital question, Puerto Rico, 23 percent of the people voted uh, to make them a state and they voted 97 percent in favor of statehood for Puerto Rico. Uh, are you an up or down on Puerto Rico and statehood? You know, I I would want, just like any good lawyer, to learn a lot more about the arguments on both sides of that to weigh in. Just just like uh, Judge Judy doesn't make a snap decision, because I know you're a fan of hers, I'd probably need to to learn a little more about that one. The interesting thing here, and I put it up, and a lot of the audience has some some very um, strong reactions to what's going on here on the question about Puerto Rico becoming a state. Well, first of all, yeah. in the first vital question on the on the tapes, you're in the majority. Uh, Ninety or sixty five percent of the people are saying no, no, uh, we we don't believe there are tapes. Twenty three percent say yes. Twelve percent are confused. But here's the the rub on the Puerto Rico statehood question. Thirty one percent say yes. Forty one percent say no. And 28% are like you. We need to know more, they're saying. But here's an interesting twist. Pretty much based on the population of the island, 
you're going to guarantee there's two more Democratic senators and probably three more members of the House, right? Because I think that's about the populations. I'd have to look into the population breakdown. Mike, that's a fascinating point. And I wonder whether those that already weighed in on that online question knew that. Because politically, uh, sometimes, you know, that motivates the way we want all kinds of things to go in this country. So that's a fascinating point you bring up. Yeah, you suddenly you suddenly have a possibility to change the power of uh, the control of Congress. Exactly. And for some single issue voters, that may be the single most important reason they either are in favor or not of statehood. (laughs) Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Dr. Wendy Patrick, WendyPatrickPhD.com is where you find her. The book is Red Flags about how to spot those frenemies in your life. Thank you, my friend. I hope we speak soon. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know I'm going to talk to you about Relief Factor, the thing that has worked for me, the all-natural anti-inflammatory that has gotten me away from any kind of painkiller, over-the-counter prescription. I don't need it anymore. My knees don't bug me. My hips don't bug me. My, My back doesn't bug me because I started on the three-week quick start program with Relief Factor. You don't believe me? Check out Nicole. Nicole said she had a successful experience with Relief Factor too. I started getting numbing, like carpal tunnel, but then I started realizing it was all up in my shoulder. The cramping, the pain, it was almost unbearable. When I started taking Relief Factor, it just seemed like everything relaxed and I'm able to stretch it out now. I'm able to work it out. I'm able to sleep. To me, it is a lifesaver. It is, and it's been very helpful for me as well. I'm more active. I'm doing things that I thought I was going to have to curtail. It's relief factor. Get the three-week quick start pack for 1995. Call them, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or check out relieffactor.com. You know, there, I, I'm looking at the list of things I need to cover today, and there's so much going on. There is so much going on. I was, I was talking to Shamant during the break because uh, there are some, some real interesting things going on in the world. We were talking about um, Puerto Rico wanting to become a state, a group of people in Puerto Rico wanting to become a state. And that's a big deal, especially when you think about 
uh, the the reality, as one of our vast and unpaid resource department folks pointed out, that if Puerto Rico becomes a state, then you have the distinct possibility of adding two more Democratic senators to the Senate and upsetting the balance of power. I'm more upset about us making sure, you know, I, I'm willing to consider Puerto Rico, but we have to think about all the repercussions and what could happen if Puerto Rico does become a state. And it's not just about flags. I'm also worried about the people who are here who don't want to become part of the United States. They want to be apart from the United States. Consider the woman who was speaking and C-SPAN played this statement from a Muslim woman, and it should concern you. Education is one of the most important areas that Muslims have to address. And while our objective, our final objective, is not just to become part of the system that we experience now and that we see, our objective, our final objective, is to create our own Islamic systems, and not only create Islamic systems for Muslims, but to look at all the other people who are sharing this country with us as potential Muslims. And There's more on this story. There's a lot more on this story, and this should scare the hell out of you. We'll dig a little bit deeper on this. And I got another place that wants to become its own state. I'll share this with you after the break. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back. Welcome back. We've got about a half an hour left before Chris Salcedo returns, invades the building, which is a good thing. Um, Before we went away, I was playing for you something that should make you nervous. And it was from a C-SPAN clip that aired just a couple of years ago. And uh, I think it was like seven or eight years ago. This woman is standing up in front of a room full of people, looks like a hotel ballroom full of people, and talking about Muslims in America. And the reason it should scare the hell out of you and out of others is because, A, it was seven years ago, and this thinking still continues. And not only does it continue, but it mirrors what was going on in London two decades ago when Anjem Chowdhury, a cleric who has just now recently been locked up, was on the streets and in the, in the uh, imams, or speaking to the imams in the mosques, on the same level, talking about the, the mission is not to become part of American society, to not blend in, to not become American, but the other way around, to get inside of America and overturn America. The whole clip is about a minute, and she talks about education to begin with. Remember, we talked about 
how taking over the education system was key to the progressives having such success in America down the road. Well, the Islamization of America and the changing of America, which is the ultimate goal, is part of part of the uh, the program here. I'll let this woman speak. Areas that Muslims have to address, and while our objective, our final objective, is not just to become part of the system that we experience now and that we see, our objective, our final objective, is to create our own Islamic systems, and not only create Islamic systems for Muslims, but to look at all the other people who are sharing this country with us. The people who are sharing this country with us. So it's no longer America. It's a country that you are sharing with us. You're allowing us to share it. And talking about creating Islamic systems within we, we had the case like a year and a half ago in Texas, very close to where the Blaze Studios are, where the, the city council, and they're running, they're running Muslim candidates for city council. The city council is being pressured to set up Sharia courts in the city council in Irving, Texas. This woman continues. She's She's not hiding the agenda. This aired on C-SPAN. Potential Muslims. And if we look at them as potential Muslims and feel that we have the obligation, which Allah has told us, to try to bring them into the same style of thinking, into the same uh, way of behaving, into the same objectives that we have, then we have to have some way that we can communicate with them and some way we can work with them. And in that long-range process, of making America Muslim, all of America Muslim, then we have to have some actual short-range goals. We have to have some way of dealing with them and know how we're going to deal with them and in which ways and be very calculated about it or else we will not accomplish our goals. Our goals, which include making America not great again, but making all of America Muslim. Now, you you can call me anti-Muslim if you want. I'm not. I think if you're a Muslim and you want to worship your faith, great. But I would just like you to blend in. I'd like you to also, because you have to be an American first, and then you have to practice your faith as your faith dictates. But it's not a murderous, crazy faith that wants you to convert everyone. No, that's not going to happen. Slowly but surely, these people are establishing enclaves in certain cities in America. Dearborn, Michigan, one of them. And I'm sure there are others all over the country. But we just have to be aware. We need to be electing people who are saying, look, if you if you say the Pledge of Allegiance, if you support America and what we stand for, then we need you truly to become Americans and not to look at us as someone who's been hanging out here, just keeping this country idling for you so you can jump in when we're gone and you can turn it over into a Muslim nation. The woman said this is what they wanted to do. This is part of the grand plan. And if you don't think that's in the minds of the people who are coming here and doing this, you're foolish. 
You're very foolish. I am all for Donald Trump's heavy vetting of anybody who wants to come here. I want to make sure the people who want to come here want to be here because of the freedom and want to be here because of what we know makes America great and its opportunity, its freedom, its free speech. It's Well, we're going to get into that. I've got a clip from Reagan I have to play before we get out of here today. Something that happened on this day in 1987, 30 years ago. Can you believe that? Yikes. But I also wanted to stress that in the, in the case of this woman who was trying to blend in and telling, telling the Muslims to keep your, keep your long-range goals intact, but find a way to communicate with these people and educate these people. But in the end, the long-range goal is the Muslimization of America, all of America. Those are her words. Now, let's, let's take that clip and put that in perspective with the news that we got uh, yesterday or the day before. The London Bridge terrorist, one of the three guys who was killed last week by the British security forces, Mr. Mr. Butt, Karim Butt, this guy was trying to get a job at the security firm that was contracted to protect Wimbledon. This guy was trying to get a job and apparently had gone through the process a little bit. He was the ringleader of the most recent London Bridge terror attack. He's graveyard dead now. But he had set up job interview, a job interview with the security firm that supplies the safety stewards to Wimbledon and other soccer clubs that are in the area. There would be no bigger target for a, an Islamic terrorist than Wimbledon with all of the world gathered to celebrate sport and tennis. And you, you don't see a lot of Muslim tennis players, at least not in full burqas. This would have been a crown jewel in a terror attack. I think we dodged a bullet on this one. And fortunately, this guy did not dodge a bullet. But let's hope, because Wimbledon's right around the corner. The French Open just wrapped up with Rafa Nadal winning his 15th Grand Slam title. What is it, the 10th? 10th? Just amazing. But Wimbledon will be a target. So security will have to be a priority. We will see. God bless the security guards and the people of MI5 in England. Keep them all safe. You never know whose nephew might be playing in that tournament. Let's hope. I'm, I'm going to step aside for a minute. When we come back, we'll do a little bit of history today because there was big history. Some pretty big history happened on this day. Uh, some good history and some horrible history and some inspiring history, including the words of Ronald Reagan. And I'll share them with you next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. I can't believe we almost have to get out of here. There's too much going on. Uh, answer, answer the vital questions of the day. There's two of them on Twitter. One of them is about the fact uh, that uh, Puerto Rico's non-binding referendum says they want to become a state, even though only 23% of the people who could vote did vote. Well, embarrassing. But it's non-binding, and Congress has a say in that. And then I wonder what you think. Are there tapes? Did, did the president record his conversation with Jim Comey? Maybe. Uh, this, this show loves history. We love looking back because we like to learn what happened on this day back in the day. And today is one of those days, June 12th, that, uh, will live on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And, uh, the, the stuff that happened on this day back in the day, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman were murdered on this day in 1994. And I, I remember exactly where I was. And, and then the following uh, couple of days later, when we had the slow speed car chase with OJ in the white Bronco, he was hiding in the back as his buddy was driving him. But also on this date in 1776, Virginia adopted George Mason's Declaration of Rights, kind of a, an early blueprint of the Bill of Rights. And the Declaration of Independence kind of mush them together. So you can look at that if you want to do a little history. But in 1987, on this date, President Ronald Wilson Reagan was in Germany. The Berlin Wall was still up. And this is uh, one of Reagan's most famous Cold War speeches. He had been trying to get the Soviet Union leader, Mikhail Gorbachev, to open up and and try to bring the the communist nations back into the world community because they weren't working those those communist nations were failing and reagan also knew his strategy to to get the the russians the soviets to spend themselves into bankruptcy was going to ultimately break up the soviet union so on this day, on this June 12th, Ronald Reagan was at the Brandenburg Gates in uh, West Berlin. And there were a mass of people who were waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. And Reagan stood up and delivered a, a speech that gave us an iconic moment in, in American history, in world history, in presidential history. It's one of those moments that people quote all the time. You know, it's like Kennedy at the same location saying, Ich bin ein Berliner. And for Democrats, that was one of the biggest political quotes. And I think this one was for Republicans, but also for people who love freedom. Ronald Reagan, I'll just give you about a minute or so of it. Reagan at the Brandenburg Gate. In the 1950s, Khrushchev predicted, we will bury you. But in the West today, we see a free world that has achieved a level of prosperity and well-being unprecedented in all human history. In the communist world, we see failure. There is one sign the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable, that would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. 
General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. So a wonderful statement. And you're saying, where's the tear down the wall moment? The gate being opened was important. And Reagan waited for the crowd. He waited a little bit longer. Let the applause die down. They were waving flags and cheering. Mr. Gorbachev. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That, that was the moment. That was one of the greatest moments of the 80s, one of the greatest moments of the, of the president's amazing, amazing time in office. That's, that's one of those Ronald Reagan moments that I remember, that I got chills when I heard it. And it's one of those things that we have to, we have to always look at history and try and remember and learn that we are the beacon. We are the, the Earth's last best hope for freedom. So that's why I get upset when I hear people like the Muslim woman saying that they want to come here and take this country for themselves to convert this country. The multiculturalism of America is what made us great. The multiculturalism and, and let's face it, Sharia law is not going to make America great. It's not going to bring business back. It's not going to let freedom ring. So that's why I get so passionate about it. I didn't get to the story about the Biden family again. I didn't get to the new country that the other state that wants to break up into a new country. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll save it for tomorrow. There's plenty, plenty more to do. Plus, we have Jeff Sessions' testimony. Pre-game starts at 2. I expect you to be here early at noon. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.